Welcome to Cryptic Chronicles, a show dedicated to exploring all the mysteries in this ineffable universe we call home. Today on the show, I am going to interview Ethan Indigo Smith about his book, A Holiday Hazing, Santa Claus Syndrome. It's just in time for Christmas, and it's a fascinating conversation. So let's get into it, shall we? I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and you're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. Okay, so I'm here with Ethan Indigo Smith. Welcome to the show, Ethan. Peace on earth. Thanks so much for having me. I, I bow to you for allowing me to communicate. Well, we're very happy to have you on the show. Uh, could you do us a favor and maybe tell us a little bit about your work and like uh, the content you create? Yeah, I began writing uh, somewhat of a political tome. Uh, called The Complete Patriot's Guide to Oligarchical Collectivism, which is kind of out of 1984. But in that was some uh, basic but widely known uh, and widely uh, encompassing uh, esoteric concepts that I began to explore further. Um, and I've been r- writing mostly nonfiction some fiction all in the pursuits uh, of raising consciousness uh, since publishing my first book, even though uh, a lot of it is uh, um, uh, philosophy-based, even some satire. Yeah, in particular, I like your book, uh, what's it called, The Hazing Santa Claus Syndrome, The Holiday Hazing Santa Claus Syndrome? Yeah, A Holiday Hazing Santa Claus Syndrome. Yeah, it's, uh, I start off with a quote by, I, gosh, I'm sorry, I'm spacing it. I believe it's Mark Twain. If you want to tell people the truth, make them laugh. Otherwise, <laughs> they'll kill you. Uh, Voltaire, actually. Uh, if you want to tell people the truth, make them laugh. Otherwise, they'll kill you. Um, but I, I started looking at the uh, Santa Claus story that is, attached to Christmas, not necessarily um, part of the original Christmas celebration itself, of course. Um, And there is a a wonderful history of St. Nicholas, who um, uh, on top of being the saint for charitable acts among children, he's also the patron saint of sailors, right? So that's why we uh, in researching Santa, we can see various incarnations of the Santa Claus character or archetype all around the world, even in Siberia, um, which, of course, is 
far from any sailors, but uh, he, uh, I, I more, I, I explored the history of the archetype uh, and the idea attached to Christmas um, rather than how we often consider the tradition now as a permanent mainstay. It really only is a, is a very modern attachment. And I explore the uh, cultural and psychological effects of uh, what is uh, this whole and um, all-encompassing lie uh, to young people. Even, uh, there's an interesting little history, but even the fact that NORAD takes part in the lie, right? with the Santa tracking system and, and the whole, uh, you know, the, the biggest military institution in the world is basically, it's just like the weatherman and just like Uncle Joe lying to the young people about Santa Claus. And, and I, long story short, um, propose that it uh, uh, instigates a level of apathy amongst people to lies and liars. You were talking about archetypes and things like that. I didn't know that Santa had an archetype. Well, uh, in that there are so many different cultures that have a, a, a similar or attributes of uh, what we now know as the Santa story. Um, um, and one of the most interesting is the Siberian shaman, who uh, most most uh, uh, related to what is the modern Santa story, that when kids ask us, "Hey, do you know if this is true?" We all know the story. Um, and one of the attributes of the Siberian shaman was that they would be towed on a sleigh of deer, of course, and and they would also because the snow was so deep they would actually climb through what was the smoke hole or i.e. chimney of residences to check in on them and so forth in the dark of winter. So uh, by, by archetype, I, I mean that there's been, there, there are so many instances of the Santa variation um, all, all across where, uh, all across the, the old world where uh, different attributes of, of, of different various cultures are now kind of composed into uh, uh, the story that we celebrate. And, and of course, the, the apathy to the lies comes in not uh, what is commonly understood as a way to build up a sense of magic among children. The, the apathy, of course, lie, comes when the lie is revealed and generally, one is told, now you have to lie to Lisa, to lie to your little sister. And, and the whole distaste of the realization that everybody up to, including the weathermen and NORAD, um, has been participating in this lie. And, and this sense of magic and even this potential quite human pursuit of um, um, pursuing the comprehension of godliness and God is even uh, maybe encroached upon because 
we see the relationship of this Santa Claus attachment to, uh, you know, the religion at large, and it belittles that potential, right? So there's all kinds of uh, <clears throat> potential negative um, consciousness impacts beyond just materialism. Is it like a Carl Jung thing? Well, I think, I mean, looking at the impacts of um, the first four years, whatever your psychological tradition is, we're, it's, we know how important um, those first few years of our life is and how much do children, how much energy do children give to the Santa Claus story? right mm -hmm. it's it's no matter what the modality of perceiving psyche is um there's a lot of energy being put forth into this storyline as a young age and it becomes what is one of the commonly uh experienced cultural um uh, cementing events for people in the Western world and even the world at large, where no matter their religion or even a religion, uh, lack thereof a religion, I mean, uh, everyone, everyone partakes in this cultural phenomenon. And I think we see today a very apathetic political climate to lies. I mean, and the lies are so frequent that maybe that's part of it. <laughs> so do you think that it's damaging? Well, I think uh, it's potentially damaging. I think that some there's not a, a hundred percent um, way that people are going to react to a situation, right? Mm -hmm. Widely variable in our character um, and our reaction to systems and stories. Um, but I think for a lot of people, it results in apathy. On the other hand, conversely, uh, surely a lot of people, it has the result for them to ever, ever more question uh, such a pattern of lying, right? But but I think if we, if we look at the social atmosphere of the West today, and certainly the United States, there is a, a ridiculous level of apathy as we find out, you know, the oil companies, you know, have been doing this, all these, all these things, so forth and so on. Yeah, I think that one of the first times that you don't trust your parents anymore is when you realize that they've been lying to you about Santa Claus. Absolutely. And, and so, um, when we realize that these lies are so all-pervasive all and even way, way bigger than we are, right? That, I think that's why a big part of why it hurts, uh, aside from the personal aspect, of course, your parents lying, um, it's, the, it's the, the behind that is this whole atmosphere of, wow, this was way bigger than me, though. Right. This has been going on for a long time and they're asking me to institute the lie um, now and perpetuate it. And and how often is this the case in, in, in bigger, more adult themes?
Yeah, because people don't care a lot about a lot of stuff that I feel like they should care about. Like you're talking about the oil industry, definitely, but it's a lot bigger than that. It's like it's all kind of encompassing because like just think about the food we eat, too. It's just filled with poison and everybody's just totally fine with it. Right. That's a that's a, a well said example, because it's the the very sustenance that we eat now is not only irradiated and affected by pollutants of the petroleum industries, but it's been genetically modified to who knows what, where, and when, and to be apathetic of what we put into our bodies, that really suggests that there must have been some steering. Yeah. Uh, uh, the world at large, and I, I, uh, the United States especially, uh, you, you taxed my tea too much, and you know we freaked out, right? Um, that's what this country was founded on. And so there must have been a whole perpetuation of programming to belittle any, uh, uh, you know, it's almost, you, you get more um, criticized for suggesting that the food has been genetically modified and there might be something bad with that. You, you might get criticized for that more than the people that are doing the genetically modified buying itself yeah because they can't do anything wrong right and so uh there's this whole uh you know uh the the apathy i think comes from do you want your new bike johnny because you're gonna have to lie to lisa <laughs> um it's a, a get along you know go along type of lie atmosphere right where if we partake in the lie we get the gifts. Yeah, that's messed up. Yeah. And so it's really the the only um, cultural phenomenon that is shared in the Western world that e everyone partakes in, whether they want to or not, because of the uh, want to or not, because of the whole mediation behind it. It's really just everywhere. Um, and it's it's considered to be just fun and silly to everyone so it's you know it's really adopted by you know many different folks um and it and it does have this really messed up um backdrop which is as i was researching the history of it probably possibly related to the tradition of saturnalia um and saturnalia was uh, celebrated over many centuries. So there were different groups that were scapegoated and, and they were scapegoated in different ways. But essentially, um, um, in, in, the, in the earliest tradition, there's a, a big feast where the house owner becomes the servant and, and he serves all of the servants for a day. Right. So they switch roles um, and there would then be some kind of uh, scapegoating of one or another of the group that had this, uh, you know, fatten you up, drink until you're delirious. And then they would, you know, depending on the time and place, uh, uh, beat or mock or or hurt, hurt certain individuals in, in the practice of Saturnalia. It has this 
this whole mockery of truth that is akin to the Saturnalia celebration, this kind of pulling out the rug from underneath the feet of someone who's been lied to. So it's kind of like a gaslighting. It's like a gaslighting from childhood. And it, and it, it's, it's uh, conditioning to make us apathetic to what are really affronting situations that deserve questioning that are actually somehow becoming not only not questioned, but as we referred to earlier, even mocked itself. The one, the fact that people do question it becomes uh, like the, you know, the bad kid who doesn't uh, lie and tells the truth. They always get in a lot of trouble, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like, you know, well, uh, relatively, of course. Yeah. But, but so, yeah, it's a, it's a, I think a, uh, the storyline is very interesting historically and psychologically and talk about table conversation yeah. <laughs> that really gets people talking um, because everyone has their own personal story with the Christmas celebration, but rather more specifically, I don't mean to be cri- critical of Christmas, rather more specifically the attachment of the Santa Claus story to Christmas which people have have uh, uh, unified, and it's not it's not the same, right? Mm-mm. Um. So um. There are there are personal variations of the celebration that are of course wonderful, and of and of course, um, gift giving and generosity. You know, there's so many wonderful things about that. But but another uh, darker aspect of what we like to consider celebrating is that we don't really ask kids. Hey, what are you getting your mom? We might, but it's not the first question. The first question we ask them is, hey, what do you want? And so on a consciousness level, if, if a, a, a being is thinking about what they want, there's not much room for other things, right? Um, um, whatever they may be. Uh, um, um, towards self-development or towards generosity or what have you. But um, we, we literally um, say that it's not about what you get, it's about what you give, so to speak. Um, but we ask children, what do you want? Yeah, and that kind of programs them. It's a, it's a, it's a programming and, a, and it's part of that get along, go along function that is the end result of the process. Of course, yeah, I, I, I want to teach people magic, not just children. There's there's real magic in the world, uh, beginning with meditation, right? But um, um, lying about um, a, a figure that can see you all the time that travels the world in one night and then and then making sure that they know eventually it's a lie that that whole that whole process is a real magic killer rather than um a, a mindset of magic right yeah why do you why do you think that we do that well i think there's all kinds of influences um to go along and get along right um and you know there I, i've asked myself why did i do that in many different situations that were not even uh, 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 celebratory or cultural, right? Like, you know, oh, 
like I yelled at my dog because my dog did something that was questionable, but the other dog was just being a dog too. And it was questionable. And then I'm like, wait, why did I yell at my dog? Well, I guess I, th there was, you know, the people around and they were mad at their dog. I guess I was supposed to yell at my dog. So I did. <laughs> Do you like food? Do you not like going places? Do you like staying home and having food brought to you? Well, you're in luck, because a thing called Blue Apron exists. With multiple pricing, there's a way to get the gourmet delicious meals under any budget. And it's totally worth it. Cryptic Chronicles would not promote Blue Apron unless it knew how good it is for you. With all the junk and everything these days, the majority of people sustain themselves on poison and don't even know it. A healthy spirit, mind, and body requires a healthy lifestyle, and the ability to take care of yourself, and feed your body all the nutrients it needs to function at its best in our highly demanding lives. You get to choose your own meals. The chef-designed recipes include balanced Mediterranean delicacies, quick one-pan dinners, and top-rated customer favorites. Unpack your home-delivered box with enthusiasm because there's a guarantee on freshness and the highest quality of all Blue Apron products and ingredients. Create magic following our step-by-step -step instructions, you'll experience the magic of cooking recipes that the master Blue Apron chefs created with your family's tastes in mind. With step-by-step -step instructions, so you never miss a beat and have to get frustrated about making the meal. I know I do that. At least, when I'm not eating a delicious Blue Apron meal that is responsibly sourced, quality ingredients like fresh produce, sustainable seafood and exclusive spice blends means you're going to have a meal that's top tier over the common fast food garbage most people eat. And Blue Apron cares about the environment, which is another reason I love them so much, with recyclable ice packs and packaging to ensure your ingredients stay fresh until you're home and ready and easily disposable for the health of Mother Earth. Do yourself a favor, and take care of your body and mind the way nature intended it, with a healthy meal that's also gloriously delicious. With Blue Apron, the yummy goodness is dropped off right to your very doorstep. So if you like food, and you like not going places, then why not try Blue Apron, and give your mind a rest from going to crowded grocery stores, and writing a list of stuff to get, only to forget half. $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Did someone say $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Amuse delivers over 500 high-quality cannabis products from the Bay Area brands you love at everyday low prices. You can also rest assured that everything will be up to your high standards. So what are you waiting for? Start shopping now at amuse.com. Use promo code PODCAST to save 30 bucks off your next order. That's A-M-U-S-E dot com. <laughs> So why do we do a lot of things? And I think that's why this idea of a holiday hazing is powerful because it gets us to ask exactly that. And what is consciousness? Consciousness is the awareness of awareness. And so when we start to ask these really powerful resonating questions, why would we do that? Why do I think this way? And what are the effects of this, that, and the other? We automatically start to supersede our present state. Mm -hmm. um, so, so these, these, um, and introspectively, right? These are these are questions that you and I can discuss, but they are 
um, process later, as all things are that come up, right? We we then introspectively have this little search and this little different way of viewing how the world behaves relative to uh, specifically the the Santa Claus story attached to Christmas, but all kinds of other supposed traditions and all kinds of things that are just human psyche related things that we think that's just how it is but wait what like you said what's really behind that well why why do you think we do that yeah because there's a lot of good things about christmas it's also like it's an older holiday than the christian religion i mean coming together with family eating food you know having good times that's all good stuff but i think that it has been corrupted to an extent with this focus on just material gain yeah and I think, you know, a lot of powerful institutions like to perverse situations towards their ends, that being profit, right? So, and that trickle down effect, you know, all of a sudden, I noticed it with it with, on the news, various news programs, they call Black Friday, the tradition of Black Friday. Like what? Like I, that's like a ten-year-old monicum. How, how is this a tradition of Black Friday, right? And so they they turn it into uh, a thing of a process and something we gravitate to and celebrate. But it's based on um, um, all these other powerful lessons, as as in via Saint Nicholas, that then get turned into very weird um, institutionalized things. And, and I think they're the most likely intention of Chris, the, 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 the Santa Claus tradition being materialistic is so that and they can profit, right? But I think um, the result of that is um, this potential apathy. So it's not a certainty, but uh, this potential apathy. And I think I was thinking beyond the apathy is also a, a lack of empathy, right? Because if, if you all of a sudden have this tradition that starts off with going, okay, now you're in on the lie, but you have to lie too. All that pain, as you remarked, and we all felt, or if we don't remember, remember feeling, if we had that, that Santa tradition um, part, of, part of our growing up, it, it leads to a lack of empathy, right? So I think it, I think it, it leads to a lack of, or, or leads to apathy and also secondarily, maybe a lack of empathy because if you're willing to lie to someone, well, and everyone's telling you to do it, and it was a very big deal up until that point to you yesterday that people might have lied to you about Santa, right? You're, it starts off like, I, hey, Hey, I heard that Santa was a lie. Are they putting me on? Did you hear that Santa travels around the world in one day? Oh yeah, he definitely does. And and but eventually, and then you know, so there's that pain, and right away with the pain is now stuff it. You have to, <laughs> you have to lie to. Yeah, I never really had to do that. Luckily. Great. Right. Sure. So, and and we all have our personal experience, and I'm. And I'm uh, I'm talking about just the collective results of what mm -hmm. you know are are largely felt, right? Because 
because I didn't have to do that directly either. But I do remember a cousin or at one point soon after having to do it. And I didn't have a sibling that I had to do it to, but someone or somewhere along the line. And I, I had a real distaste for it, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, yeah. it wasn't so bad as other people experienced. And again, it's not that big of a deal, but it's, it's the, it's the initiation process that we experience because again, we give so much energy to the Santa story as a developing human yeah. that almost to the point where like parents have to say around January and February, all right, turn it off. It's no more Christmas time. Santa is over, right? They're still so excited about Christmas. They're talking about next year's Santa. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and you were saying in your book too that it kind of leads to an inability of uh, individuation. Well, and, and in that, I, I remarked earlier, if you're always thinking about what you want, you're not thinking about, well, maybe you're not even thinking about what you're doing. And, and you're certainly not thinking about your consciousness, right? There's really, really so much room that we have, so many um, emotive thoughts that we can have in a day. I mean, we can have a thousand thoughts at any given time, but when we add an emotive, an emotional response to it, uh, uh, and even... As, as adults, Santa's, it's an emotional thing because of the emotional thought process that we experienced, right? So um, it's, uh, you, you really have this emotional hold on to the, the Santa story, even secondarily to our wants of, of presence. It's the Santa story in total that we are, give so much emotive energy to that there's no consideration of consciousness development that being individuation um which uh, you know traditionally speaking this is of course naturally a time of quiet and a time of really just like you said actually getting together with family and over a meal and spending time and it's really dark for most of the day and so getting together and being quiet and even being meditative or meditating this is what the cycle of the year is demonstrating but yet we have this really uh active you know um materialistic pursuit going on during during the holiday season which in in nature is actually the time of meditation and quiet yeah it's been kind of usurped Right. And and so did a, a lot of the Santa archetype. And so did so many of what what are powerful lessons that are shared by all kinds of somewhat divided cultures. But they all have this resonating, powerful lessons towards self-development, towards compassion and welcome of, of neighbors in need in the darkness of winter and so on and so forth. And it and the institutions corrupt it so frequently. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. They really like doing that. It's it is a it is a frequent uh, process. I in I like to differentiate uh, the world historically and presently into uh, systems 
of institutions and individuals. Because, you know, we, we spend a lot of time maybe being active or maybe not, but if, if we are being hypo, hypercritical of inst individuals that might be aligned with an institution, we're doing little to challenge that institution, right? We have to go to the institutional process itself, right? Like a, a, a seller on Amazon is not necessarily the problem with Amazon. And a gas attendant is not necessarily the problem with Shell Oil. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we uh, so there's there's individuals and institutions, and um, there's also institutionalized individuals that really are hypocritical, uh, hypocritical, and and uh, do as if they have an alternative heart. They act on behalf of the institution. So there are those folks, but mostly we're all caught up in a mess, right? And it's it's a mess that institutions have, just like they did with this, you know, wonderful story, made it into something that serves them, which the results really don't serve individuals. No, it rarely does coming from them. So I I I I explored that, and I, you know, I looked at other holidays too, which have a very interesting process but i didn't really include them in the book but it, it, it's interesting there's there's halloween on october 31st and then there's soon after that uh you know the politicians take their masks off so to speak and there's election day <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i don't know there there is a, a very weird psychological process to the holidays and and there is a, a weird a weird correspondence of timing to the uh, inflection of holidays amongst different nations, right? Yeah. Not not with certainty and not always, but sometimes there's interesting um, celebrations that are going on for about the same reason in about the same countries, um, um, but called totally different things. Um, and and maybe that's part of this whole, you know, there's a there's a celestial aspect to all these celebrations as well, a astrological, astronomical, um, you know. Yeah, it's much more esoteric. Yeah, it it gets it gets esoteric, and I think even that that Santa that the Santa story is attached to the Christmas story that is ref in reference to a whole assortment of esoteric wonder um it it adds to the power of the story right mm -hmm. and and just like norad by partaking in the lie they add to the vibrational power of the story to young people even though young people don't know about norad of course they don't know the military up and down left and right but they know whoa those are like the most powerful dudes on the planet yeah totally you know that's all they know and so they're getting this this emotional play um that resonates with all those other storylines and and esoteric lessons of of goodliness and godliness that are attached to it and it it has more effect uh, uh i think lao tzu um, said signs and symbols rule the world. 
Yep. They, not laws, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so these the, the it has that same idea with by by attaching it to what is already a powerful story in a powerful story it has that more more resonating factor to it i don't think that people really understand just how powerful symbols or symbolism in general is on their subconscious and you know i I, in in researching that aspect i think that that's when you're truly steered by them Mm -hmm. right when you're when you're not in total comprehension or the more comprehension you have of symbology of a, of whatever is going on, the less ruled you are by it. Oh yeah. That's, it's really freeing actually. And, but when you start to see it everywhere, it's actually kind of creepy for a bit. Like once, yeah. Once you get good at seeing symbolism and understanding it because it, it literally is everywhere. And it's, it's so cause and effect that, that we're so, we like to think that we are what we think but we no. are actually what we do, right? <laughs> yeah. We're, we're really what we do. And so when you, when you look at it very simply, we are so affected by signs and symbols and very elaborate systems of signs and symbols, i.e. the Santa Claus story mm-hmm. that we don't even realize how truly steering uh, uh, they are. And, and even uh, or a situation that's one time, let alone a situation that's, a lifetime um of all the ideas i've written about i've never got so much heat for any one of the ideas that i have with the santa claus syndrome oh yeah i can see that because people are going to instantly be threatened because you're attacking a part of their identity because they associate with it culturally and it's seen as like a good positive thing in their lives and and i kind of grew accustomed to dealing with that to where i don't even bring it up right but but also that i was so pleasantly surprised when in-depth christian theologians and christian scientists were like oh yeah we we're not into that (laughs) you know because it it substitutes and takes away from the real celebration of christmas yeah it's not santa people people have by way of the americana celebration of the holiday um, now equate the two, but it's not at all. Yeah, it's kind of like an amalgamation. It, absolutely. And and I, I, it used to be where these heroes and gods and lessons were amalgamated more with a less perversion uh, towards the institutionalization, I mean. But now the, the mixes that work, we have some disdain, right? Like people want to keep things pure as if all of our philosophy is not an intertwined human story. Yeah. And all of our philosophies have weaknesses and strengths about them. Well said. Yeah. You don't have to be just a part of one. You can take the strengths from one and the strengths from another and just ditch all the weaknesses. This is, this is where the powerful lessons are too. The ones that resonate and correspond across time and place. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are those are where the real powerful uh, lessons are, I think. Um, all the other superfluous stuff might be dogmatic, may be useful, maybe not. But the, the really powerful stuff, I think, is is c- comes from, for instance, of course, the golden rule. 
right? This is this is a a, a really powerful, obvious uh, uh, one, you know. It's the most important one out of all all the rules. Yeah, yeah, and and thereby that's that's where some of these institutional formats we start to have to question, right? Because we go, wait a second, you're kind of crossing a the line there, right? Yeah. Kind of, you're kind of having a detrimental influence you know and again i'm not it's not with the certainty that the santa story is detrimental but just as a commonly collective aspect mostly it has a not not a positive result <laughs> there thanks for listening to cryptic chronicles the show is sponsored by blueberry and if you're interested in starting your own podcast use our link we'll even give your podcast a shout out go to crypticchroniclespodcast.com and click on the blueberry link on the homepage. by doing so you'll be helping the show blueberry is optimized for itunes as well as all podcast hubs you won't have to worry about expensive contracts or fees in fact you won't have to leave your own website you'll have your own rss feed and no third-party sites Try it for a month free by going through Cryptic Chronicles. Also, if you're a fan of cryptic content, please support the show on Patreon. By giving just $1 a month, you can really assist us in posting more content frequently. You'll also have access to bonus ad-free episodes of the show and the Discord channel. To keep up with all Cryptic Chronicles content, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and of course, Facebook. Give the Facebook page a like and join the Cryptic Chronicles group. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for supporting the show. But most of all, thanks for listening. Yeah, I, I totally agree with your your view on it, how it's like kind of conditioning you to not necessarily have the most positive like way to look at the world. Yeah. And and of course, we can rise above any conditioning. Right. Uh, um, um, but but yeah, it does have, I think, one of these tethers that hold us back that we're tied to. Right. And when we cut that fetter, oh, wow, now I can now I can see things a little bit more clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a it's a very interesting way to instigate insightfulness of our own consciousness too 
right? Because we've all experienced some kind of emotive storyline with it. Yeah, and you have to look at it to really understand it. If you're not looking at it, do you even have free will? The right, that's, and, and there's one of the most powerful questions, right? That really, I think all the controlling factors of institutions really want to stop that. Stop, stop, don't, don't ask that. Because <laughs> then, then we realize, oh, I, I do have free will. And if I start taking responsibility for my own actions myself, and everyone starts doing that more and more and more, do we really need these institutions? Yeah, but free will takes work. Less and less we do, right? And and so um, once we free ourselves of these chains and fetters of, of our own consciousness, then we, we realize, oh wait, this institution is not needed. Oh, and that one too. Wait a second. Um, and, and actually, uh, Manly P. Hall was talking about in one of his lectures, once we invent the car, we also invent the car accident. <laughs> and this is true for institutions. And now we're seeing that in, in what is could be called this postmodern time where uh, yeah. there's no dilution to pollution anymore. And we're seeing the consequence of being dependent on institutions rather than going, hey, what, how am I going to develop myself? Am I, am I, am I being self-responsible? Um, and, now, and now we're seeing governments are not trusted more and more all around the world as well as institutions <laughs> because of the car accident relative to the government accident. Yeah, it's for good reason. Sure, right, and 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 it's really if we look going back to the institutions and individuals, all of history can be looked at as institutions versus individuals. Oh yeah, it's all been that, and even government. I love etymology, and government, in one format, it means control the mind. Yeah. So what we we're saying, if we could actually be in our true unfettered state of consciousness, well, I don't need that institution. And do I even need this government institution? Well, less and less. No. If you look back 100 years, 90 percent of Americans were all self-employed. Right. And now. Yeah. Now we're just, nobody is really like, what, 3 percent less. Yeah. And, and we used to, you know, produce a lot of things in the United States. And now, I mean, it wasn't a few years ago where our government made it so people could ship chickens to China to be butchered and then ship back to the United States. <laughs> I don't know if they're still doing that after what happened with the shipping crisis, but they somehow thought that is more sensible. So uh, we, we, we were not... A, I mean, the chicken that we produced, we had it butchered outside of the United. They couldn't even do that, do it here. So it used to be um, uh, there was so much more production in the United States, and uh, yeah, and it's it also seems like a lot of our issues are straight up manufactured. Because if we were going to take care of of uh, you know our country and take responsibility for ourselves, I feel like the first thing that we should focus on should be getting rid of all of our waste. 
Like we're so wasteful. We need to utilize our resources better. Yeah. And there's so many things that you and I could come up with right now that could, especially that one, that could be paradigms. And so you almost have to step back and say, why aren't they doing these things? And it's because there is a systemization yeah. of what's going on, right? I mean, yeah. there, there, there may seem to be this random playing out of events, but uh, uh, several uh, wise politicians has, have said essentially or exactly, whenever something is served, you can bet it's been prepared. Yeah, the system isn't broken. It's working exactly as intended. Yeah. And actually, a, a really big indicator of this going on at the highest levels, when the rest of the world might think that it could have never would have taken place during the Cold War, uh, the upper levels of the US and USS intelligence and military were working together mm -hmm. um maybe just not to kill everybody but maybe in other ways too right so um there was throughout the whole cold war um total intelligence connections oh yeah and and you know we see we see this going on all throughout history and so we can only deduce that today it's happening as well right oh, yeah. <laughs> and and so that that goes to what's what's the big grown-up lie that um, adults in modern you know this century have had to deal with and have grown apathetic to 9/11. Yeah. Right. And I don't know what was lied about, but I know that there's not the whole truth. And 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 that. This, that causes the same reaction among a lot of people. Hey, 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 you better get along and go along because no one wants to question that lie. Just like people don't want people questioning Santa. <laughs> and, and, and so the phenomenon is actually the same to really uh, what is uh, uh, really pertinent questions. Hey, what's in my food? Hey, what's in my water? Hey, what happened during the biggest criminal event in U.S. history this century? Hey, why is everybody getting cancer at ridiculous rates? That, there you go. Another <laughs> from the mouth of babes, right? From when if the babes don't experience Santa Claus syndrome, <laughs> they start asking these questions because these are really human questions, right? And actually, also the the idea of world peace during this time period this is a really human pursuit too right and mm -hmm. and it is fashioned to be belittled as well yes you know and 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 only the children who have not been conditioned yet to to uh uh dilute what is powerful lessons and to refuse what we should pursue only those on, only those true hearts go, hey, I, I want world peace. Oh, aren't you aren't you cute? I think a lot of the institutions, their main strategy in modern times is just to distract the crap out of everybody and just constantly bombard them with things. And and it's almost like if they all were cars, they're all trying to just say, yeah, yeah, we know there's a bunch of car accidents, but here you go. Here's, here's some signs. Here's some <laughs> insurance, you know, 
and not that the car is totally detrimental, but there's a lot of problems with it. And that it's, it illustrates the institutionalization process. There's a, a lot of problems with all kinds of inventions. We, we tend not to think about that though. We just, let's try it. Well, they, they, they tend not to think about it because that's part of their strategy is just distracting so much, sending so much information, so much bombarding with so much stuff that people don't have time to stop and think about these kind of things. Right. And that's part of that whole process too, that people just say, okay, everyone's going to be lying. I'm, I'm just going to try to go to work and enjoy my day. I.e., I'm just going to try to get my Christmas presents. I don't want to cause any friction. And then eventually you start to forget that it's a lie. And yeah, right. right. Now, now, now we're getting to where that, that apathy is really a crushing depression. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, a lot of times people might question um, at least once in their lives, what, what am I here for? What's the point? And the point is to find a point. You are here to find your reason for being here. Mm -hmm. And that interference with the pursuit of understanding godliness within us and in the world and so on, I think is, is diminished by starting with the Santa Claus story. Yeah. And there's, there's all kinds of conditioning stories in the world, um, but mostly they're left as a boogeyman an ethereal thing that just there, there's so little emotive context to it. Um, and so um, it's so personal among a family group or a tribe or a storyline that the weatherman didn't lie to you about it. Nora didn't lie. Not everyone knew the story and lied to you about it. It just might've been true. It might not, but that boogeyman story is used by a lot of cultures, but it's never done in the process where whoop, the rug is pulled out from beneath the feet of rooted consciousness and they go, wow, everyone lied to me. <laughs> that doesn't happen. It's just kind of left as you're, you're too old for the boogeyman, but it's in you still. So you don't have to mess with, you know what I mean? Yeah you learned not to be brutal and bad and mischievous through it maybe right but it's never a process that unfolds the way the santa claus story does now do you believe in the like collective unconscious absolutely absolutely and and um that's where i i try to peer in the jungian terms uh, um I, I try to peer at this as a real collective issue rather than my my own personal hang-ups with uh the holidays because everyone has it uh, uh in this culture we all have some kind of holiday hang-up um i.e seasonal uh afflictive disorder right mm -hmm. um so uh, I, I do believe that uh, in, in the collective consciousness, and that's why I think that it, uh, there's that archetype of the wise man, the wise being, right? That, yeah. that can do these amazing things, right? That may not be um, X or Y God, but maybe this, wow, like uncle, uncle figure or grandfather figure or what have you. 
Um, so it, it, yeah, it really, it really hits on those deep uh, collective consciousness buttons. Yeah, it's just like how symbolism has a huge effect on the subconscious. So why couldn't symbolism have have a huge effect on the collective unconscious? Yeah, and and meditation is such a powerful way to teach kids magic, right? Um, not lie to them or showing them, okay, it's Christmas. I'm gonna let's go find someone that we're gonna help randomly. I'm gonna give them this money or I'm gonna give them this thing. Oh, and then you know when you see a child that observes someone being helped, they light up. Who doesn't, right? Mm. And so maybe that's something we can do rather than the, the negative constructs. That's an interesting thing to say because uh, when I was when I was a kid and we would go trick or treating, I'd go with my mom. I'm talking when I was like younger, younger. She would actually, it was super embarrassing, but she would go around and we'd collect cans to give the homeless people. Like from, we wouldn't ask for candy. We'd be like, do you have any extra canned food? And that just had the hugest influence on me for the rest of my life. That gives me chills of sweetness because that's such a, that's such a sweet thing for a mom to do. It was, it was this like, it was symbolic to me. And yeah, that just, it's just stuck with me the rest of my life. And, and it's symbolic, not only because of the power of that act, but also the process in which it was done, right? She didn't, she didn't do it on just any day, right? It's a celebratory process mm -hmm. built on, yeah, I can see as a young fella, you're embarrassed, but now later on you go, wow, that, that was profound lesson. Yeah, exactly. I wanted candy back then, but when I got older, when I got older, I was like, wow. Right. That, yeah, that, that's a that's a great example of building up someone rather than shutting them down, which uh, which in the collective sense is done with the Saturnalia type scapegoating that goes on in the Christmas, uh, excuse me, in the Santa story. Um so um, and, and we can we can use these things to build on uh, qualities rather than hamper them. Right. Mm. Because, again, we can all get past any type of conditioning to be positive and have pursuits of individuation and note our our way amidst collective consciousness and having to do with collective consciousness and improve. But if, if we don't start thinking about that if come march we're thinking about still what we want right um mm -hmm. instead of what we're becoming and what we're doing then then it's it's a it's a construct that's not working for us nor the rippling effects of the collective yeah how do you think that we could fix it because i mean that would take a lot of introspection and inner work from a lot of people yeah, uh, well, I, I mean, it's kind of unfathomable, but I think part of it uh, is, is this lesson that I was granted. I, I met uh, a, a guru type of guy, long story short, and I said, you know, I think the biggest problem on the planet is nuclear experimentation and the problem of the waste developing or not doing anything about it and the, the potential militarism. 
and all the things related to nuclear experimentation. And he kind of chuckled. And he said, Ethan, that's, that's a, a really worthy observation. And I, I, I find it hard to argue with that. But I'll tell you this, that it's not the biggest problem in the world. The biggest problem in the world is where that problem is from. And that is our consciousness and lack thereof. And I was like, well, uh, you're right, <laughs> of course, right? Um, and so I, I, I think that it does, like you said, it requires a bunch of inner work and collective inner work as well, right? Um, there's a Zen expression, great out great awakening little doubt little awakening no doubt no awakening can you say that one more time and you kind of cut out oh sorry uh, a great doubt great awakening little doubt little awakening no doubt no awakening <laughs> and so what is the, the dunning kruger effect when you're really sure of yourself you're probably ignorant things that people that are less sure of the subject in question know about. <laughs> yep. The more, the more you understand quantum physics, the less, the less sure you are about a lot of things. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and, and, and also um, if, if I had no doubt from age 13 onward, you wouldn't want to talk to me. I wouldn't want to be around me, right? And, and so uh, doubt is a process of development, right? And so even doubting uh, what has become this really cherished cultural phenomena of celebrating the Santa Claus story, and, and literally people mostly um, uh, uh, criticize that idea for its... Um, being mean to children hmm. that you shouldn't tell the santa story is being mean to children because what they're doing is building up a sense of magic right and uh, that's not i'm everything has a coming and going everything has a up and a down and so yeah they're building up their sense of magic only to shop it <laughs> i think that it could be more healthy if it just had more context and they were honest people were honest about it Absolutely. And it can even be healthy today. Uh, several people have discussed with me their personal uh, variations noting Santa. And of course, none of it has the lie, like you just said. The ones that are positive, it's it's there's no lie to it. Yeah, because I, I literally never believed in Santa. It was just a game. Right. And there's another aspect that is a, a part of that collective consciousness we see play out in the world today. That is this kind of um, the unsaid lie and people um, go along, get along and, and do these scamming and manipulating processes to what they call make a living. I, I don't know, but they're essentially manipulating people just like um, a preteen child will do that knows there's no Santa, but yeah, yeah, mom, when's Santa coming? Right? Like you don't want to, 
you don't want to let your mom know that there's no Santa too soon because then the presents get less exceptional. Yeah. So there's this whole, whole interplay that's all, if not lying, fake, right? Yeah, it was more of a game for me and my family because none of us believed in Santa. We knew that my parents came in and put stuff in our stockings. We knew where all the presents were hidden in the closets. Like, right, exactly. <laughs> It was never a thing for us. Right. Right. You know, you know where it's hidden. You check them out and then you ask about Santa more. Yeah, we talk about, oh, the whole time we talk about Santa. There would even be presents saying from Santa. And we were like, oh, thanks, Santa. Even though we know it's our parents or whoever. Right. <laughs> but I do know also that I had friends that didn't have the same situation as me growing up and they were pissed. Uh, pissed in finding out that they're lied to. Yeah, 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 right. And it's hard to be—it's hard to be mad about not getting what you want. Hey. Sorry about that. There? No worries. Yeah, sorry, sorry. That 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 seems to happen in the boonies here. <laughs> so, uh, where were we? What were we talking about? Huh. Well, the uh, just the overall inhibition that can be yeah. this 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 story that's shared by so many. That of course we can get past, right? Mm. But why inhibit, right? Why and why not? As you suggest, there's got to be a way to utilize what is actually a story with tremendously positive components, right? There's gotta be a way to utilize yeah. it um, uh, to be positive. Um, I, I think it's, it's so difficult to get past, uh, as I noted before, how institutions are, are calling Black Friday a traditional event now, but it's very new. Right. Um, yeah. And so when when these institutions manipulate the situation to be all about what did you get? What did you what do you want? What do you want? Um, then it's hard. It's hard to um, surpass that, especially of a young person that's so emotive about the, the cultural phenomena. Um, so, well, in, in, but I think a part of it is just contemplating the uh, how does a situation impact us, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so for adults, I think it's important to start there, right? Um, because, because it's something that adults really are responsible for putting on to kids, right? Yeah. Um, and, and again, it can be positive but mostly it is done in a mannerism that's akin to quite adult situations like 9-11. And I asked a local water district about the quality of water. They got mad at me. So mad that they actually later on, uh, even I think it was that day, in fact, he called me and said, I'm sorry, I don't know what uh, what my problem was 
you're you were I was representing a small local paper I was inquiring inquiring about the water quality and he got very weird almost like I was saying hey there's no Santa here why are you saying there's Santa oh <laughs> and he, he literally called me back he's like I'm sorry I'm, I got upset that you were asking questions there's no reason for me to be upset about you asking questions I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I felt. <laughs> I, like I didn't, but anyway, so people ask questions and it rocks the boat, right? Like even the question, what time could be, uh, what time is it could be a very consequential question if everyone is acting like the clock isn't broke, right? Mm. And with, with oil, like it's a, hey, how long? Did you guys know you were destroying the planet by way of this product? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Right? Like, I mean, that's almost almost too existential of a question to ask, but specific questions in line with that, right? It, whoa, whoa, it's upsetting. Or you could ask, hey, what happened to all of Tesla's lost inventions? Uh, even. <laughs> Which we could have free, clean energy for everybody across the world. Right. And, and again, where does the game begin and where does the game end with how much we've been lied to and manipulated to accept lies that are much bigger than Santa, but have that same flavor. Yeah. Disdaining questioning and disdaining apathy, uh, excuse me, disdaining non-apathy, right? Hey, you're asking questions you need to get in line and and uh you know um that's why the the rudolph aspect of the story is so powerful right that 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 one of the favorite aspects of the santa claus story is rudolph right and and rudolph is how does every kid feel when they're among adults or how does every kid feel when they're not part of the group every kid's felt that way so we all empathize with that Rudolph flavor. And, and we, we have this light, right? And, and we're trying to build on that. We, we all empathize with this quality. And then we are, you know, had, you know, told to get in line, right? And we all get in line. And, and so the, the Rudolph story actually is, is a way that we become part of the group. We kind of thought different about this whole thing, but now we're in line. It's kind of like an endless gaslighting. It's, yeah, and isn't so much of history. I mean, an example of how much history is gaslighted, why is Iceland named Iceland and Greenland named Greenland? Because they were lying about it, <laughs> right? They were lying about Iceland and Greenland, but yet we still have these names. Um, just, a, just a silly, for instance, but a, a, a factual one at that. Yeah. Um, so so, we're, so we're so conditioned to accept lies uh, that we really don't even realize how apathetic we are. Um, and, and we're conditioned also to not accept meditation right? We'll, we'll be more critical of meditation than we will be of someone's sexuality, for instance, or someone's 
X, Y, or Z. If you're pursuing meditation, you're into woo-woo and not, not a respectful for pursuit of in individuation. Very good, right? Yeah, that stuff's also ridiculous, though, because uh, the only way to really have a fully functioning brain is to meditate. Right, right. Uh, and uh, there's some Indian yogi philosophy that says even if you don't meditate or believe in meditation, you are meditating right now. <laughs> Your whole life is a meditation. The act of meditation, what we call meditation, in fact, they, is more uh, uh, accurately translated as immersion, right? That yogi, yoga means uh, 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 yoking together, unifying, mm -hmm. unifying, right? And so, and meditation, what was referred to as what we call meditation, it was actually more accurately immersion. Immersion in what? See if you could find it. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and so it's just like I, 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 a simple way to explain to young people or even older people meditation. It's just like a computer or phone or whatever. You need to plug in. You need to pause. And a lot of times it's not easy to explain to people who haven't or don't meditate. Because they're not really on a level that they can understand it. Sure, sure. You, and what's that expression? You you can only explain to people where they are at. Yeah. Right. Um, and so you, yeah, you you can't properly explain meditation to someone who is not in, who, or not that they're not experienced, but rather even worse, who's in a mind state of mocking it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, uh, and I don't want to say that that's too commonplace anymore, but there's the cliche out there that does so. Oh, yeah, totally. There's ways that you can meditate, though, that are just like doing everyday things. Like if you're really like in the flow working on something that could be meditating. Absolutely. And and I, I practice Tai Chi and it's all about being so slow that you can really be present. Um, and interestingly enough, moving slowly has the counterintuitive effect of being able to move faster because we, we uh, work out or work in our uh, uh, ligaments rather than our muscles. I know exactly what you're talking about because the, the slower you train, when shit hits the fan, the faster you move. That's it. Uh, what do they say in martial arts and even athleticism? If you can do it slow. Perfect. Yeah. If you can do it slow perfectly, you're going to do it perfect fast. Right. Right. Exactly. And 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 that's well, it's really difficult to do things slow. We're, we're so yang oriented or or forceful in how we approach things that we skip over a couple of steps often or or whatever um and so yeah being being just a little bit more attentive translates into all things um how we do one thing is how we do everything right and so if we just take a minute or 10 or whatever to pause and be in pursuit of refinement it translates into everything
Yeah, it's also a really cool feeling when you first start to like have your your awareness like in your body. I that when I first started doing that at the beginning of my meditation sessions, like when I first started, that was pretty profound to me. Just like feeling my awareness in my body, like going up and down, not lit not literally, but see, it's hard to explain. Well, well, uh, it's it's internal arts, right? And um, uh, uh, several. I'm not there yet, but several Tai Chi practitioners can expand and contract their organ system as they flow, as they breathe. Uh, doctors, medical doctors would say that's impossible. It doesn't happen until they feel his kidney. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so there's all there's all these wonderful ways that um, we can raise our awareness internally um to uh help our external pursuits right and so yeah it's a it really is you know you want to teach children magic don't teach them santa teach them meditation yeah it's it's really useful for like going into each part and telling it to relax it's it's so empowering when when a person realizes that they can do that just by pausing and breathing right that can change how they respond to a emergency situation or tense situation or even a social situation. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. Um, in, in fact, I, I like to point out the difference between reaction and response. Oh yeah, they're completely different things. And most of us, actually the whole storyline and tradition that kind of keeps us in a react, right? There's that, that word even has it in it. I act again. I portray again, react. Re- yeah. React is unconscious. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm a, all the world's a stage and I'm an actor instead of responding. That takes true consciousness. That's awareness. That's, that's, that's awareness. And, and it can be as simple as, oh, someone dropped their trash on the floor. I'm going to respond and pick it up and not get mad at the world, whatever. You know, God, people litter. I'm not going to react. Or, or it can be as profound as dealing with the opposition of a, of a bad guy and responding in a way that you defeat the bully, right? So, so um, uh, I think a lot of times these constraining concepts where we are in a state of, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? Uh, and that's the monkey mind, right? The Buddhists refer to that as the monkey mind, where we are literally, um, on, uh, or allegorically, I should say, <laughs> we are allegorically grasping onto a vine and then getting the Ferrari and oh, oh, I don't care about that anymore. I want that other thing. And grasping onto another mind, uh, vine, right? And and always grasping towards what do I want? What do I want? Rather than what am I being? Right. And and so yeah, the the constraints of of that process, uh, um, you know, are 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 many. But but we are. Uh, a powerful, you know, uh, 
animal, right? Mm -hmm. And we're in fact the most powerful animal because of why Santa Claus story might affect us. We are programmable. We're not born any one way or the other. We don't work like that. We are um, given potentials and circumstances and we arise from those. And we can get past them if they're constraints and limiting, absolutely. But we are um, programmable beings that become what we experience. Yeah. So, so um, you know that that the constraining storyline is uh, overall not positive, but it can have positivity. And certainly, the Santa Claus story itself, it does, it is. But the effects that are in reality are not. It's been corrupted. It's it's been corrupted. Um, and and the history of it, we see that Coca-Cola was instrumental in actualizing the phenomena of Santa, right? And, and they're all about capitalism and maybe there's nothing more nefarious about it than capitalism in intent wise, but, but the orientation becomes um, uh, detrimental. Uh, uh, and an interesting bit of history with it is uh, uh, when uh, before NORAD was NORAD, there was the uh, uh, radio station that is now there under NORAD's name. I forget what it was called back then, but it, uh, they were the, the uh, radio radar of the United States and the, the Central Command or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. uh, there was an ad put out in a Colorado paper, which is where that base was. Uh, is and and uh, the ad in the paper said, "Hey, boys and girls, Santa is at the mall, and if you can't make it to the mall, you can call him at this number." Turns out they gave him NORAD's number. <laughs> what? And all the kids started calling the commander of the base. It's like, oh, the phone's ringing. Hi, this is Tommy. Hey, Santa. This is the story. And uh, the commander supposedly was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go along with it. And supposedly all the kids were calling and he must have thought it was a prank or something at first or the Russians, I don't know. But come to find out what happened. And that's why now we have NORAD that tracks Santa and, and participates in the lie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know ever in history where the military industrial complex has ever done something so sweet, right? And so why do people think there ain't nothing but sweetness in that? Like, isn't there, is there maybe just a little bit of propaganda and deception going on that's part of the training system that might make people less apathetic as they grow up? Yeah, more, more gaslighting and programming. It, it it seems to me it might have that yeah yeah um that that builds up apathy and decreases uh, uh empathy right and and so um that's the story with how norad became involved which it just seems like it's possible but it seems rather suspect that that's the reason they give for participating in the lie every year 
even though sure it's a small thing but it's just like it doesn't seem too professional if you really think about it yeah so there, there's so many levels of it that are talk about powerful constructs that hit that young mind like wait these guys are army guy he's just like what why are they this must be real like they're talking about it yeah <laughs> all the all debate goes out the window for at least one season you know when the, the all of a sudden norad is in on the line yeah they're serious yeah that's a that's a serious thing and and we all know that the military industrial complex has whole organizations based on the psychology of man and influencing it oh yeah totally so why people give this one a pass because they like to lie about the magic of Christmas to or Santa of, to children. It's uh, what? What's well, that apathy you were talking about? Right, right. You don't want to. You don't want to question. You want to get along to go along because then you get the bike <laughs> or the car or whatever. Or just or just don't get don't get anger for asking about the water. Like yeah, I was not. It's not comfortable when people get mad at you for questioning reality, and it makes you go. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe it's all good. <laughs> Especially when it's just so subtle and it's so covert, right? And it's, and the water, it looks clear and the celebration, people look happy and, and so on and so forth that you, you start to maybe, if, if, if the collective is against you questioning, you start to go, yeah, maybe questioning is not so good, but it's really, the most powerful thing. Yeah. People get so monothematic or ardent about holding on to whatever partisan grip on something they might have that they can't even entertain an alternative view. Man, I question everything. Yeah. So it was, and that word, uh, there were the Moists uh, of Chinese philosophy, M O, uh, the Mo's, uh, Moists. And, um, the moism and and one of the main points of their philosophy was the pursuit of impartiality and talk about a meditation yeah just live in the pursuit of being impartial and you expand your consciousness internally introspectively all you um and 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 the and and but what do people celebrate today partisanship and and partisanship is just partial and and partial is incomplete <laughs> yeah and if you go to any extreme if you go too far right you go too far left it's like you're really losing your ability to see anything in any objective way crushes it crushes that observation potential that is really powerful human power right like and and even little kids have it and they go hey wait I don't think anyone can fit through a chimney. Kids have it. It's got to be. It's got to be pounded into them like the lie to where they go. Well, everyone can't be lying, to me, right? Like it's that would just be. Well, eventually you start slowly over time. Eventually you forget that it's a lie. Right. Right. Yeah. Especially if you never have a paradigm event to where you go uh, uh, and have that introspective 
meditative uh, moment or, or, or situation or time period, right? And I think that's why a lot of people really don't like meditation and really mock it is because it forces people to go inward. It forces people to look at all the bullshit and the lies and all the stuff that they suppress and don't want to see. Which is hardcore. In this day and age, that could be, that could be a lifetime of Greenland and Iceland all over the place. But if you can push through that, that's freedom, man. Right. That's, that's as, as that guru was telling me, right? When the, pro when the problem is not our lacking consciousness, we could take care of nuclear experimentation and all the other waste building up and being and costing us our very biological health, right? We could, yeah. we could take care of it, but we have to, we have to raise our consciousness before that to even think of it. <laughs> yep. I agree. So it's, it's, uh, there's, there's so many, um, ways to pursue, uh, development, right? The, but, uh, I think that, that tradition does leave us with an inhibition that requires self-examination. And as soon as we do partake in self-examination, that is in, uh, beginning the journey up the mountain, so to speak, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so that's why, even though the Santa Claus syndrome book is short and mildly humorous, it's, it's really, uh, um, uh, uh, an instigation of the consideration of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Well, Ethan, we are running short on time. Is there any ending? statements you'd like to make well i no, i just really appreciate you having me on and um i the the santa claus syndrome is really a small idea of um mine relative to other things i've been working on uh um, like the matrix of four that i, I and the Tao of thoth are a couple of other things that i think your your listeners would appreciate and so on yes i love the Tao. yeah that's uh, I I per, I pursue being in alignment with the Tao on the daily. Yeah, that is the way. <laughs> so, is there anywhere that any of our listeners that who's listening can reach you? I am, you know, I'm all over the internet on the usual Facebook and Twitter, I guess mainly, and uh, got a little YouTube thing going on. Ethan Indigo Smith, pretty pretty easy to find, and I always appreciate questions and communication could you send me a link in an email to your youtube of course okay so i'll have all of your books linked back in the show notes and i'll have the the youtube channel as well cool so listeners please go check that stuff out and we'll have you back on again sometime soon i i bow to you for a fun conversation and oh, hopefully we we cause some instigation of consciousness development in that I hope so too. It's been a blast. Cool. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. Yeah, Peace have a good day. Peace on earth.
That's all for today's show. What an amazing chat, right? I love this guy. We're definitely going to have to get him back on here later, won't we, listener? Make sure you check out the links to all his work in the show notes, especially go subscribe to his YouTube channel and whatnot, and check out the book, A Holiday Hazing, Santa Claus Syndrome, as well as all of Ethan Indigo Smith's other work too, who's actually written a decent amount of stuff. Anyway, Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and basically all podcast hubs. You look for us and we're there. If you can, listener, please make sure to like, comment, or review wherever you hear this content. The interaction makes the algorithms like the episode, and so we'll spread it and help grow the show. And by just doing that alone, you are supporting the show and doing more than your fair share. And if you really, really, really like Cryptic Chronicles, don't forget to support us on Patreon. As always, I'd like to thank my current patrons, MJ Calvo, Adrian, John, Celestial Weavers, Alien X, Lorna Grubb, Linda Gonzalez, Angela Delaire, Ashley, Brad Herbert, Lawrence Lee, Patricia Coles, Caleb Max, Michael Worrell, Jimmy Woods, Grotius, Sophia Owens, and Scott Wellman. Thank you all of you so much. You are the producers of Cryptic Chronicles, and all of your funds go directly towards supporting the show. To all the rest of you swell peoples, Merry Christmas, and... As one of the most interesting writers on prairie fires once said, such magic there is in Christmas to draw the absent ones home, and if unable to go in the body, the thoughts will hover there. (laughs) 